on. This morning, we are uh, in a series on the Ten Commandments. Some of you have been with us since the beginning. <coughs> Excuse me. We considered the Big Ten. We also considered the two that are over all, the Lord, the, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, strength, heart, souls, and strength, and our neighbor is ourselves. We come to another commandment that can't be left off this study from John chapter 13. I'd only like to, only like to read to you two verses this morning, starting in verse 34. <clears throat> The Lord Jesus speaking, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Indeed, let us pray together. Father in heaven, as we must so often pray, grant what you command and command what you will. We see the, the beauty and the rightness of this commandment, yet how to obey the law within ourselves we often do not find. Who will deliver us from this body of death? We thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the love of Christ himself with that measureless love with which he has loved us be our strength as well as our song today. May it redeem and transform our lowly hearts that we might participate even in the divine nature of love. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. I'd like to begin by telling you a famous story about the Irish Archbishop Usher, a uh, celebrated archbishop in the 17th century who was visiting Scotland and was eager to meet Samuel Rutherford, Scottish covenanter, about whom he'd heard so much in his ministry and his devotion and his learning. Well, uh, Usher knocked on the door of his manse one Saturday evening, and he didn't explain who he was. He wanted to go in incognito for a while. And something particularly I love about the playfulness of this story that uh, illustrates these men. He just asked Mrs. Rutherford if uh, he could stay the night, for he was traveling, and she invited him to come in and to stay. She brought Usher into the kitchen and gave him something to eat. And as it was Saturday evening, she was leading the regular devotion time, and so she catechized the children and their house servants, that is, asking them about spiritual things and having conversation about them, and Usher joined in. Mrs. Rutherford asked Usher about the commandments. She put the question to him, how many commandments are there? Eleven, he answered. Ah, she said, what a sad thing that a man of your age, whose hair is sprinkled with gray should not even know how many commandments there are, for there is not a child above six years old in our parish who does not know that. He said nothing in reply. He simply finished his oatmeal porridge and went to bed. But the next morning, Samuel Rutherford was up early for his usual early morning walk and meditation, and he was startled to hear the voice of prayer from the man who had stayed the night in his house, quote, imploring a blessing on behalf of the people that day to assemble. 
Rutherford thought for a moment that he had entertained angels unaware. But the explanation followed, and Rutherford was delighted to meet Archbishop Usher, about whom he had heard so much, and he requested that Usher preach in his own church that morning, which he agreed to do on the only condition that Rutherford would not tell anybody who he was. Well, by the time Mrs. Rutherford got up and around the house, the man had gone before any of the other family were out of bed, and she didn't think anything more of it until she was sitting in the worship service, and it began, and Rutherford introduced the minister, a visiting minister who would be preaching to us this morning. He ascended the pulpit, and he announced his text, John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. And he said this new commandment could well be called the 11th commandment, and I would have loved to be a fly on the wall that day to see the face of Mrs. Rutherford as she realized that she had rebuked none other than Archbishop Usher. <laughs> well, let me go from this humorous introduction uh, to the 11th commandment to the more serious uh, context of this verse. This is given now on the night before the Lord's crucifixion. That very night... Christ's disciples will forsake him. Peter will deny him. Judas will betray him into the hands of his enemies. And Jesus knew all this. We are reminded in this very chapter, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep scattered. But John here gives us an insight into the heart and mind of Jesus at that dark hour. Verse 1 of chapter 13 now, before the Feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. A verse that will take Jesus all the way to the cross, as he who knew no sin was about to be made sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The Blessed One is about to be accursed, and what is in his heart? It is love. Love for his disciples, love for you and for me, for whom he gave his life. He loves you, and he loves you to the very end. And it's on this night, therefore, that he gave us what he calls a new commandment. I'd like to consider first with you the new commandment to love one another, the new criteria as he has loved us and the, the important condition that we must receive that love. And then as usual with this series, I'm going to speak about how important this is for the world today. Well, let's consider first the new commandment to love one another. You notice that the Lord repeats it three times for emphasis, and he is not one to waste words. Love one another. Although the Lord says that we are to love our neighbor as ourselves, we are to love our fellow Christians as Christ loved us, which is far more. Love one another as I have loved you, he says. For he has loved us much better than he loved himself. And what is so new about this new commandment, you ask? Well, Although Moses commanded us to love our neighbor, as we saw a couple weeks ago, there is surely something new in this. Our understanding, as we learn what true love means, as Jesus goes and gives his life 
as Christ is crucified. And in our experience, as his love is poured in our hearts, there is something new in this commandment to love one another as he has loved us. And there is this new thing that is in us as well. This is no ordinary love. This is love that springs from a new nature, a divine power. For it says the fruit of the Spirit is love. John writes elsewhere, God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and not in him. So there is this love that is new in our experience. I mean, even though the command of love is old, the experience of love is always new. As Robert Candlish said, the gospel is preached to us old, but the gospel realized in us is new, always. And so this new love is springing up from something new in us, a new nature. And it's new because we have a new relationship in Christ that we have as brothers and sisters. Now, in our fellow men whom we are to love, there may be something lovable in them. But in our fellow Christians here, there is always something lovable in them, for Christ dwells in them. Yes? And the, the ties of grace are far stronger than the ties of blood. And if we are children of one Father, then our brotherhood is far, far greater than anything that we have here, a, a brotherhood far stronger than that of our own family and eternal to boot. And so by this one family, by new birth, we are called to a new love, a new love that is appropriate for children of the same house, only much higher and deeper, and having a better reason at the bottom, as I have loved you. And, and uh, I was interested to read this week a sermon by Charles Spurgeon on this text, where he points out that the new commandment is also new because of the new necessities that it's enforcing. He says, we're a little band of brothers in the midst of a vast multitude of enemies. Behold, said Christ to his disciples, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. If you are true Christians, you will not be getting the love of the world, he says. Well then, cling to one another more closely. Whatever opposition you meet with outside, let it only weld you into a firmer union to the one another. God grant that the very fact that we are found in an enemy's country may result in making us more completely one than we ever have been before. And I think that's well said. We certainly need more friends being so far from home. And they need us. And so the Lord has given us a command. He's made brotherly love for one another a command. A command that, of course, requires commitment. Sir, madam, love is your duty. Love is your mission. You won't always wake up in the morning feeling like loving. Even in the church, you won't always be around loving people. It's true that love is sometimes wearyingly hard work. Ask any mother what love for her children has cost her. Nights of sleeplessness, tears, worries, backbreaking work of a thousand days and nights. But that's why love begins with commitment. But dear friends, of course, it doesn't end there. The book goes on to say elsewhere, love one another fervently from the heart. It is something wonderful that we are committed to, to love as we have been loved. 
And John writes elsewhere, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. This gospel that we believe doesn't just produce obedience. It's a certain kind of obedience. The obedience that is powered by a new desire. An obedience that is both pleasing to God and delightful to you and me, as one man said. So we have this command to love one another. Now, is it too warm in here, or is it just me? Is it warm? All right. Um, Jeff, would you mind just kind of uh, cracking, cracking that door? We're going to violate security protocols because, you know, if somebody were to burst in here and everyone were asleep, it wouldn't help us anyway, right? Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. Just keep a close eye. Okay. The command to love one another. I will free some of you in the back and some of you up front will be like, well, I don't feel the cold. Okay. So, all right. Well, hopefully it'll work. Okay. Uh, Jesus has given us not only a command, but this criteria I'd like us to consider, number two, to love one another as I have loved you, he says, verse 33. To love one another as I have loved you. We are to reproduce his blessed, costly, self-denying love, a very high and a holy calling. That is to say, It's not just to be love summoned up from the depths of you, even by the Spirit, but that you are to be, as it were, the tone of his voice, the touch of his hand, the incarnation of his compassion and goodness, patience and forgiveness, faithfulness even toward undeserving, faithless people like you and me. The Father has sent the Son in love, And the Son has sent us, he says, to love our brethren with his love, with all the love with which he has loved us, that it might, as it were, overflow in our love toward others. So this raises our sights considerably. 